Hello, welcome to the Scott Gooding Project Podcast. Each episode, I'll chat openly with someone passionate about what they do and have a vision for our future. The project is designed to be thought-provoking and hopefully spark conversation about optimizing health and performance. This episode, I sit down with the beautiful Kate Kendall, yogi extraordinaire and owner of Flow Athletic in Sydney. We learn about the path she took to find yoga, the value of manifestation and awkward silences. Sit back and enjoy. You can't be checking your phone now, Kate. You are live. Dude, just send a text to someone. Just swiping left. (laughs) I'm very uninterested in this conversation, Scott. I know, you're looking out the window. I'm looking at our friend across the road who is talking to himself. Some might say he's crazy. I just think maybe he's free. But you know what? I find that I talk to myself quite a bit. I catch myself, so there must be times where I'm doing it and I'm not catching myself. And I probably do it more now than I've ever done in the past. Do you not talk to yourself? Mm, I actually do. But I remember my dad doing it a lot when I was a kid and I found it really comforting because his office was right outside my bedroom. And I used to love going to sleep, hearing him talk to himself. <laughs> so the crazy is comforting. Okay, we won't we won't delve into your childhood too much today. None then. of this childhood stuff, please. <laughs> yeah, no, I haven't did it this morning. And the only reason I checked myself or realised I was doing it is because my flatmate walked out of his bedroom at the same time I walked out of mine. I know whilst I was getting out of bed, I was talking to myself. <laughs> what were you saying? What's the conversation? Uh, I jumped onto Facebook really early in the morning as I typically do I know it's a terrible habit and I downloaded that um, clip that somebody stitched together all the all the speeches that Trump's done when he's mentioned billions and billions have you seen that no so it's just like this three minute take of him just going billions and billions and billions from different clips from different speeches so I stopped that and I started saying billions and billions (laughs) (laughs) as I opened the door and yeah, anyway. So you're manifesting billions. Um, That'd be a good way to manifest. Yeah. Well, you're, you're one of those people that believes in manifestation. Manifest- yeah, the power of intention, the law of attraction for sure. Would you like me to talk to that, Scott? Would you like to give me, everyone my sermon on the power of will attraction? It, will it make me get me billions? <laughs> Here's the thing. This is what I believe. Wait for Go. it. <laughs> Okay. The guy across the road is listening. <laughs> so I'm big on goal setting, right? I like goal setting. I think it's important. I think we should be doing it. And that's one thing I found when I started working at Lululemon before I, before I was teaching yoga full time is when you're working there, it's quite incredible actually as a business. If you're just working on the floor, whatever you're doing there, in your first week of work, your manager pulls you aside, sits you down, takes you for a coffee and says, we're going to do some goal setting, which is amazing, right? especially for young people it gives you a bit of direction and so there was all you know there was this grid of like what do you want to do when do you want to do it by tick it off and you know there's a little bit of on the back you could write down you know how you want to feel in 10 years time which I always found way more creative and way more it was way more exciting to me how you want to feel not what you want, how to, I want do. to how I want to feel in 10 years time and who's around me and what's around me and what do I have and what have I achieved and how many kids do I have and what's my income all that sort of thing so that felt a little bit better for me 
But then, and I'd, I'd, I'd go about setting these goals and their by wins and ticking them off, and I'd tick them off, and I'd be like, hmm, meh. <laughs> I don't feel anything. <laughs> okay, and then there was a game That's changer. That's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so well, thanks then, for your time, Kate. Um, <laughs> awesome, thanks, Kate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then the story gets better. Plot thickens. Fast forward a couple of years. We've got Flow Athletic in this beautiful studio that we're at. Um, and I finish a Saturday afternoon class one day and this girl comes up to me and she hands me this pink and purple and orange book and she's like, I hear you talk in class. I listen to the, the languaging they use. She goes, I, I just think you'd really love this book. Like, okay, so I take it home. I was meant to go out that night because as we know, I'm a wild party animal. Yeah, crazy yeah. cat. And I made myself a cup of tea. I put my feet. I thought, I'm going to read this book. <clears throat> Just flick through a few pages. And it's called The Desire Map by Danielle Laporte. And so I started reading a few pages and then a few more and a few more. And before I knew it, I hadn't gone out that night, but I'd finished the whole book. And it... It's a pop-up book, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Choose your own adventure. Kind <laughs> <laughs> of is, actually. So what it does is, it. she says, set goals. Great. But she's like, get clear on how you want to feel first. Because the more that you get clear on how you want to feel, <clears throat> the more you can create scenarios every single day, not just in the future for attracting that feeling. So the more you feel it, basically, the more of it that you'll attract. So the more that you're in that state of flow, the more that you're going to attract it. And she says, so in, set goals for sure, but set how you want to feel first of all. Mm. And then she's like... And it's true. I found it in my experience to be true. When you get clear on the feeling, your goals actually change. Because what I found was I was just setting goals for the sake of it because I was told I should. So you're talking about, you know, in five years' time, I want to have my own business. In 10 years' time, I want to own my own house. Those types of goals. Mm-hmm. But she's gone down another layer and, yeah. and is talking about... How do you want to feel? How you want to feel. So she says to set five core-desired feelings... And generally, core desired feelings. And generally, they'll show up in different aspects of your life. So we'll generally, most people want to feel the same three kind of feelings in terms of their finances, their love life, their career, their play, travel, whatever, Mm. whatever categories. And I've found it to be true. So I'm big on definitely manifesting and intention and how you want to feel. But here's the thing. It only works if you're not attached to it. Like that whole like oh, Buddhist fuck. kind of... No, but really, because if you're, if you're attached to how you want to feel, then you're just going to go away, go, go about looking for ways to achieve that feeling, and then when you don't feel it, all the wheels fall off, and you're like, well, it doesn't work. So maybe the universe just has... It's going to come to you, but okay, you've got to let go plain. of how it comes about. But playing the devil's advocate, mm-hmm. are there have there been times where you've manifest something and it hasn't come about, and then you put that down to well, that's that wasn't meant for me, or the universe just hasn't provided in that instance. Yeah, I think it's just this is where trust comes into it, and it's not like I'm totally cool with it when it doesn't go my way. It's not like I'm like oh well, peace, love, and beans. <laughs> You're like Fuck yeah. Them. But this is where the trust comes into it, and this is where I try and live yogically, is that trust that the universe has something bigger in store for you. Mm. 
There's this roomy quote. Let's see if I can remember it. Something like, um, live as if the world is rigged in your favor. Something like that. Live as mm. if the world is rigged in your favor. So in mm. other words, someone's got your back. Mm. So go out and still and... And someone's got your back. You won't go to jail. <laughs> Perform heinous crimes and it's all good. How did we get onto that? I don't we know. went from the crazy man. Yeah, he's still there. He's kind of gesticulating quite a bit now, isn't he? Mm. There's a lot of people that do that. Sydney. Yeah, colourful city life, I guess. You know, people get thrown into the peripheral. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Go join him. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't manifest anything, I don't think. I kind of... Did you ever see yourself having a kid? Yeah, I think when I was younger, like late teens, like that was definitely... I guess I'm romantic at heart, so I had this picture of wife and kids and... And then as I got into my 20s, I was like, oh, no, I don't think I, I want that. Like, I'm not, I don't think I'm equipped financially, emotionally to support someone else. And then it was just kind of out of circumstance, really. My, my wife at the time, we had this amazing circle of friends, lots of other couples. And we'd party together and do dinner parties together and go out. And then slowly, one by one, they each had their first child and so once that sort of came into the equation and it all happened over a very brief period of time so it's not like well David and Janet uh, got a kid but everyone else is free to go out it literally happened bom, 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 bom. Mm. Uh, and so all of a sudden we were the the last one standing and so go yeah it was kind of like yeah I remember sitting down with Sky, we were very pragmatic about it. We were like, do we want kids? Like, and neither of us were really 100% sure, but we didn't want to get to the point where we regretted not having kids. Mm. So we were just like, oh, well, we'll see how we go. Fucking one month later, we're pregnant. Um, and look, you know. There's still manifestation behind that though. There's still an intention. You both agree with it. So then what was the result? I would beg to differ with you. You're probably not consciously manifesting, but you're always creating, whether it's conscious or not. Okay, so we've had this conversation before, right? Where you are, um, you you don't love the idea of being in front of big groups of people, right? Mm. We've talked about this, how it's, you know, there's been a bit of fear around it. Mm. And so in your mind and growing up and, you know, at university when you tried to avoid those situations where you had to present, just focusing on the I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I reckon that's brought more of the situations into your life. And look what it's done, like in a Mm. really big effing way, which is awesome because it's also calling you to face that fear so head on. Well, I think it was timing too. Like I, I couldn't. I couldn't face that challenge at that point in my life. So early 20s, mid 20s, even late 20s, like the thought of standing up in front of people was too much, too confronting for me. 
But I guess going into the space that I am, am in now, the one thing that was going to hold me back was the inability to talk in front of people. So I had to from a professional point of view. And I guess naturally being a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and loving a challenge as well. I kind of guess, I kind of revel now as I got older. I had this conversation yesterday that I love awkwardness. I love an uneasy situation. I kind of, it, it like feeds me a little bit. It, it's such a, mm. a weird thing and I don't seek it out. But once I'm in it, I'm, plenty of yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm in one of those sticky situations and I kind of like it. Even if it's me being put on the spot and I'm the one driving it or I'm the focus. I'm like having this like out of body experience where I'm looking down on me going, this is you in a really uneasy situation. How cool is it? Yeah, it's weird. That's kind of cool actually. So how do you go with your um, awkward silences at dates? I love it. (laughs) I I genuinely love it. That's awesome. I'll sit there, like I won't try and fill it. That's, That's really strong. Because there's so much vulnerability in that space in there, but also a lot of potential. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I see you. <laughs> you can't there I am. <laughs> <laughs> You try no, the I'm awkward l- silence on with me, but it doesn't get awkward. No, I, what do you do? Do you fill the gap? I think I used to. Are we yeah. fucking having one now? <laughs> no, it's awkward because I'm just trying to think. The last time I went on a date was a really long time ago. Um, I guess, yeah, it's, it's, they feel awkward. They're like, oh, shit. You know what it is? If, if you really look really deep into awkward silences, for the person that feels awkward, like I do in an awkward silence, it's that fear that I can't connect to this person or in some way I'm disconnected to this person. That's what it is, I think. Mm. But it's whether you're comfortable with that yeah. or not. But out of that awkwardness, instead of instead of you plugging it with some comment that is literally just a stop filler to plug it, mm. out of that silence or out of that awkwardness can sprout something else, you know what I mean? So rather than jumping in quickly to kind of plug the gap, mm. I reckon let it play out. And maybe they're a player as well. And this silence could go on for... You sit at that date for a whole two hours <laughs> not talking. Yeah. Thanks for a great night. Yes, do I have it stuck in my teeth? No. Okay, good. Why do I? Well, I just had lunch and, you know, I'm feeling like I've got sit poppy seeds and stuff. No, you're good. Great. Did I tell you about the talk I went to the other day? No. So, um... I got invited to talk to a hundred oh, no. women in media. So one of those like female networking <clears throat> thingies that they meet once a month and it's like insp- inspiring climbing the corporate ladder. Anyway, they got me to speak for some reason. So I left my house, didn't check the mirror, clearly. I was about to walk on stage and the lady who invited me just said, oh, have you been doing some decorating at home? <laughs> <laughs> I had turmeric stains from like turmeric supplement and like toothpaste all down my face <laughs> yeah just a uh, bit of spot of DIY that would let, but been. let me go and freshen up 
good on her for telling you. Yeah, I know. Because that would have been awkward for her. Ah. And for everyone in the room (laughs) apart from me, who was unaware of what was going on. I think I had an awkward moment the other day. I don't think. I know I did. When I'm crossing the zebra crossing and the person who stopped for me in the car, I think I know them. So I stop in my tracks, stop all the traffic, and I'm like, hi. Hey. And they're like, oh. (laughs) But, yeah, at least you've got that distance between you and them. That's true. You're not on a bar stool with them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to roll with some more awkward silences. Makes for good listening. (laughs) Makes for a great podcast. But seriously, less is more. How many times? I'm going to go all yogic on you here. How many times do we just stop and do a big fat zero? So, and I'm going to really shamelessly plug my program here. I've got this course, an online course called The Space Between. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Hit me up at www. Anyway, so it's Space Between. It's it's a four-week mindfulness course. And during the course, I give everyone little bite-sized chunks of, you've done it, you know, Mm. mindfulness to practice over the next couple of days. And every Tuesday night, everyone has to observe or they're asked to observe Tech Free Tuesday night so at least two hours before you go to bed you power down there's Mm. no laptop there's no iphone there's no television there's no device of any kind and people are like oh sweet this is going to be really cool but actually just to do nothing like you can journal and you can read but like to do nothing for a whole two hours some people really struggle with that i used to definitely struggle with it i said everything phone off laptop yeah nothing Two hours. Game Boy, can you? No Game N- Boy. Nintendo. Mm. And I remember when I was teaching at the Dharmashala in North Bondi at one stage, um, one of my friends, Mika, came to my class. And there, back then, there was no music. It was very traditional, very old school. You'd walk in, there's deities on the wall, there's incense burning. There were, like, you know, hippies walking around with hairy underarms. And I'm totally generalising it now, but I'm trying to set a scene. But there was no music, right? Here at Flow Athletic, we kind of have music so that you know, well, the spin class is going on next door. We're drowning out the sound. And, and I also believe that music can be really emotive. <clears throat> but I remember my friend Mika coming to class and it was so quiet. And at the end, after Shavasana, he comes up and he goes, and I was, I was like, oh, how, how'd you go? And he goes, so quiet. Because he wasn't used to it. He, had, he'd ne- he hadn't experienced that kind of silence for mm. so long. And he just said that he had the most profound feeling like he could sense his heart beating Mm. he could sense pulses and rhythms and he's like it just I felt like more in my body than I've ever felt Mm. because we got to shut down the noise Mm. which so rarely happens in particularly in a city but then couple that with technology and work and family and kids like arguably people could go months and perhaps even years without like a period of time where everything's shut down right mm. and so you can't can't connect which probably um 
I mean, I'm my happiest when I'm camping. And it takes me like a day, day and a half to kind of decompress. But when it, when you strip everything away, what we're talking about, you know, computers and, and phones and stuff, and you strip it all back and you're out in the bush, all it then becomes about is survival. And when I say survival, I'm, I'm glamping. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fending for myself. Surviving the insects. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't get out of the car. Right, right. Um, but yeah, survival, warmth, communication, food, water, rest, right? Like real basic, mm. the basics. Mm. And that's when I'm at my absolute happiest, then or the dance floor. But if you can combine dancing oh, and campfire, there you Jesus. Go. Um, yeah, I think there's something really in that simplicity. You know, was it Leonardo da Vinci that said simplicity is the DiCaprio. ultimate? DiCaprio. Um, simplicity is the ultimate form of sophistication. And it's so true. I find that even when I'm teaching a yoga class, if I try and fit all these fancy transitions and all these fancy postures in, like it's chaos. And everyone walks out of the room and they're like, they don't, they don't really know what's happened to them. But like I've put them in some kind of crazy, weird yeah. psycho trance because they're trying to do all these crazy things but if i keep it really simple um but still strong you know we can still hold the Mm. postures for a long time and that brings a real kind of heat and 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 strong element to the practice i just find when i keep it really simple people are way more present um i get way more out of it simplicity is key and that's what you want from a yoga session anyway isn't it Mm. you know you obviously people want to walk away feeling that they've use their body and you know they're feeling taught and all the rest of it but mm. they're they also want to feel they don't want to feel like they've been flogged and yeah there's like they feel connected kind of thing yeah and i think that um i mean i don't know how many yoga teachers are listening but i think that it's a nice reminder as well that like <clears throat> that's exactly what you just said that's exactly why people come to our classes you know they want to feel good they want to feel like they're in their body. And I think we as yoga teachers, you know, to keep ourselves um, in a state state of growth and because we think like we have to mix it up for people, we're doing too much. There's too many layers, too much bells and whistles. So, But is that, is that born out of um, living in the city and so many other studios and emerging yoga teachers and like so it becomes this competitive pool of... Yogi, so it's like you've always got to be a little bit more creative yeah. or edgy, and which is weird considering it's such an old, yeah. ancient practice. Yeah. <clears throat> then you've got to put your own spin on it, and mm. um, so do you find that left to your own devices, you kind of try and be competitive against all the other? Yeah, I've definitely noticed myself in the past couple of years you know when I first started teaching yoga yeah teaching yoga was popular and yoga was getting popular but you know the past 10 years it's just grown so much like I remember when Benny and I who's the other co-founder here at Flow Athletic when we were talking about starting this business um you know initially it was just going to be me with a yoga room and he was going to support me he had the business mind and he it was just going to be yeah a yoga room this big and then it wasn't until later that we developed the spin and, and the strength so the fitness and the strength side of the business but 
you know, he got really excited just seeing that yoga was on this huge mm. upward upward curve and it continues to be that way. And so, yeah, it's got competitive. Everyone wants to do their teacher training now. Um, there's, there seems to be yoga, half of Bondi itself, I think, are yoga teachers, yeah. which is great. It's really good. It's good that everyone is getting into this and that there are more people teaching this incredibly ancient simple effective usable tool right but i do think that it has become competitive and i find myself getting into that stage as well but then i remember like the simplicity behind it and it just takes me to to go to one class it's really simple from like you know a a teacher that i used to go to or something and i go this is why i do it yeah this is what it's all about like this is it it's not about the fancy versions and at the moment at Flow Athletic, what makes me so happy is that our community, <clears throat> and it's it's a different community to that where you go to a studio where it's just pure yoga, you know, where all you're teaching is yoga. Because here we've got the strength and we've got the fitness. So sure, our students, some of them might not be as advanced, but the beauty is that we're getting people into yoga who wouldn't normally have done yoga. Mm. So the guys who come to do the strength classes, when we encourage our philosophy of one yoga for one strength for one fitness, they're coming to yoga hesitantly, but when they get, they get here and after a couple of classes, they get it too. They're like, oh, I get it. Mm. It's not about this. It's not about the physical. But, but the community are really, really ripe at the moment for philosophy. They just really want to learn more and more about it. So we're doing this eight-week course on the eight limbs of yoga, which are basically like, think the Ten Commandments, but like just really gentle guidelines or suggestions for living the yogic path. Right. And people are just so interested. And I guess, you know, the, the third limb of yoga is asana. And asana is basically the posture. So, you know, you've got Trikonasana, Paschimottanasana. They're the the postures. You know them. I see you nodding. (laughs) And, you know, yoga was created all those years ago. And and asana came very late in the piece, but it was created all those years ago for one simple reason, intention. Do you know what it is? Sorry, you lost me. (laughs) (laughs) So the only reason... You lost me at the old man talking to him. He's gone! (laughs) The only reason it was created, the physical postures, was so that yogis could sit in meditation in stillness for longer. That was it. So they could sit with open hips, long spines, so they could meditate. Right, okay. That was it. And somehow, like, we've taken it and made it this form of exercise, which, yeah, it's great. Like, it it helps us feel toned and strong. But it must be beyond... So there must be a, a step beyond devising a way that they can sit for longer. Like, a downward dog isn't do you know what i mean like if if, if it's they were just being creative with their bodies they're like what's going to make me feel good and what's going to help me sit comfortably and cross legs or however they wanted to sit in meditation i'm going to stretch out my back how can i do that or i'm going to stretch out my hips they weren't go and you know that was really simple they weren't going into it going okay now we're going to develop a series of like 108 of these postures Mm. that that came very very a lot later um but still designed by in the same country country of origin mm. you're not saying you're not suggesting that it had its origin in india am i right yeah yeah and then the western world picked it up and created like flow are you s- yeah that's more of a westernized thing okay ashtanga yoga is still rooted in 
in India and actually Ashtanga yoga which is a very physical form of yoga which is basically like kind of um, it's a lot of the classes that we see in the west come from Ashtanga and Ashtanga comes from Hatha um, I won't go into all of that because it'll take a whole history lesson but um, Ashtanga yoga itself was then later on developed for teenage boys uh, school, school boys in India mm. so that they could exert all of that excess energy and then sit and concentrate and focus right interesting hmm and it was created by men for men in India. And women weren't actually meant to do it. It's ironic that we're we've shit taken out it, it. And we've taken it and made <laughs> it this multi-billion dollar industry. And now you're saying like, <clears throat> I mean, certainly in Sydney, that more, more people are getting into yoga, more people are getting into teacher training, becoming yoga instructors. So you've seen this spike, right, in the last few years. Is there an explanation for that? Is it because people are seeking, you know, they're busy, they're stressed, they're seeking a solution or mm. a remedy to mm. kind of combat that so yeah. that it's, it's the slowing down, it's the stopping, breathing, it's the contrast, if you like, to a he- hectic, busy city life? Like, is, is that one explanation? Or I would say so. I, I definitely, I would agree with that, yes. I think even in my own experience, like I used to work in advertising and uh, I got into yoga out of vanity and I wasn't in a great place mentally at the time. And I got into it. I thought this would be really good for my body. And after the very first yoga class, I guess the uh, the key moment for me was I was walking back home from this place in Dharmashala in North Bondi. And I was walking along the promenade and I stopped in my tracks because the first time in like oh, years I felt emotional. I hadn't felt anything that, like, that deep for a long time. And they weren't necessarily nice feelings. Mm. But the key word is that I could feel because I'd been very numb and I'd, I'd been on antidepressants. So I was like, is it the yoga? So I'd go back and before I knew it, within the space of a month, I was going like really consistently. I was like four or five times a week. And not only, A, did I open up very physically, like I was never flexible. I was a tomboy growing up. I was like BMX, bandit. I was, you know, kicking the footy around. Then in high school, I never danced, never did gymnastics. Um, I couldn't touch my toes. So really quickly I opened up. But I was out for my antidepressants in a month as well because mentally it just shifted things. And Mm. I I was more in my body. Mm. And it shifted my perspective. So um, for me, it was that change agent. I was like, wow, look how powerful it's been for me. Imagine what I can do with it if I were helping other people. Yeah. So it was definitely that contrast. I would actually be interested to see how many female past account managers in advertising there are. I think there's quite a, quite a few um, few out there that, yeah, I guess from all different professions. So I think that's definitely one thing. It's it's the contrast. It's the wanting to slow down. And I think there's there's definitely a, a shift of consciousness that's happening at the moment. But there's also in that as well, there's a lot of seeking. There's a lot of seeking for health and truth. And there's a lot of seeking for... We can get really caught up in the perfection of it. Mm. You know, everywhere we look now, there's green smoothies and yoga mats and healthy food which is all awesome I'm so glad that we have all those things 
like just selfishly that I can walk into any cafe in the eastern suburbs and just get something really health conscious Mm. and sustainable but in it I think that we can get carried away in the minutiae of it yeah Mm. is that what you mean? exactly I think that back back to basics as well Mm. you know I was even having a conversation with one of my teachers MJ she was we were having breakfast. She was leaving up because she's just gone to the UK. And she's, she kind of did that thing, like shift. Well, she didn't really shift um, careers. She's, she's very young. So she went, I guess, from high school to working in retail to, to teaching yoga and, and picking it up very quickly and being an excellent, excellent yoga teacher. And, um, and moving to London a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, you're going to miss all your healthy food. And, you know, I wonder what the scene's like over there, if it's you know developed a lot more since I got since I got there she's like you know what KK I don't need all the bells and whistles like mm. I'll just put together a salad and mm. that'll make me happy and I'm mm. like yeah that's all yeah. we need yeah yeah I had this discussion last night actually a, a friend works in a cafe and this sales guy came in from a company a supplement company and was sort of recommending this sort of mushroom blend because mushrooms have these like amazing uh, new tropic kind of properties right so that's kind of my world like but she was like it's all fucking just bells and whistles really because at the end of the day like the baseline your foundation's got to be nutrition Mm. but people can get away uh get carried away in the minutiae and going to extremes and even if their nutrition's not that great but they'll take this supplement Mm. and this superfood it's like well strip that back a little bit and just focus on you know the simplicity of of real food and then sure like you can tweak you can refine right at the pointy end yeah but if you're not eating the right foods and you know bondi can be a bit of a you know contradiction in itself you know people love to party and then get their green smoothie with their you know their matcha tea and stuff like that you know what i mean it's a the way i see all those sorts of things and again i'm glad that we have them all i'm I'm, you know in comparison to if if I go home to the country, which is a beautiful part of the country, um, but, you know, you walk into the cafe there and it's fried. Mm. There's no healthy options. So I'm, mm. I'm glad that we have all of this at our fingertips. But I think that those extra bells and whistles, they're great. But, like, yeah, get your baseline. And then when you want to, like, switch things up or you want a bit of variety, then mm. that's, I think, when it's mm. exciting. Mm. Simplicity. Simplicity. Going back to yoga, would it surprise you if I told you that I'd been to India, um, did yoga for two or three weeks every morning with a one-on-one doctor? You told me this. <laughs> no, I don't think no. I No. When was this? Um, you kept this one a secret. Oh, it would have been 2001 or something. So I went to India for about six or six or seven weeks. And out of that, I spent two or three weeks going to this yoga guy. He was a, I don't know, we called him doctor. I don't know whether he was a doctor in, but he couldn't speak any English. So there was like this interpreter and he would take me for daily yoga. And he soon discovered that my inability to bend was because my hamstrings were too tight. Yeah. So he, he said, you need to come in for an extra session. So that afternoon I went in. And he sat me down, so I'm sitting on my bum, legs out in front, mm. 
and he sat opposite me with his feet wedged up against my feet and he leant forward and grabbed my hands and literally like brought me forward repeatedly just lurching oh my god were your legs straight <laughs> my legs are straight so it was all designed to kind of you know increase flexibility and suppleness in my hamstrings but it's a really aggressive yeah i'm, I'm worried about your lower back yeah right now. so was i i was like <laughs> yes doctor i'm sure this is the and anyway so we did half an hour of that which is pretty full on and then he told me to get undressed um here we go here we go and he gave me a, a, a piece of cloth about let's say 10 centimeters <laughs> no let's say 20 centimeters <laughs> long and he folded that in half so you've got this thin strip about half an inch wide but about 10 centimeters long that's folded in half from 20 centimeters and he's put a bit of string through the fold and i've tied that around my waist so this piece of cloth now is sitting in front of my your loincloth my my thing yeah your piece but it's hardly covering it not showing off but you know it wasn't the biggest piece of cloth and anyway two guys I would have needed at least half a cent <laughs> more yeah a shopping bag would have done you know um anyway these two guys just went to town on me oiled me up and were massaging me really vigorously up and down, like four big body so it was strokes. Like Ayurvedic, wasn't it? I have no idea. I was so my eyes were like, you know, it wasn't one of those relaxing massages. Anyway, because it was so vigorous, my thing would sort of pop out from behind the cloth, and then they would put it back behind. I'd be like, hang on a minute. If anyone's if anyone's putting that behind the cloth, it's me. Weird. But you know, it's kind Can of I one. Ask, of what was your in, <laughs> like, going back to intentions and manifesting? What was your intention for doing that whole experience? Um, I think it was kind of I don't know what my intention was. I think it was one of those. Okay, I'm in India. It's kind of the the thing that you do. Like mm. you know, what do you do when you go to India? Yoga. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because Indians practice yoga very differently to we do. Like, when I did my first 200-hour yoga teacher training over there, I was in a very, you know, yoga-centric place of Goa. Mm. And, and it wasn't the Indians that were practicing yoga, it was the Westerners who came mm. there on some kind of path, or doing the teacher training, or they're on some kind of spiritual path. And then on the other side, you've got this side to Goa that was actually the first trans capital of the world. So you think of the full moon parties in um, Thailand. Mm. First place I apparently was in, in Goa. So you get these people who also come to party really hard. Yeah. And then you get the... I think I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and But if you go into like the real, real India, I'm not even sure how much we would see of it because from what I know, yoga is something that's prescribed to you and they're, they're postures. So you're prescribed to do the forward fold, which is what I'm assuming was Paschimottanasana with your legs straight out in front forward folding. You know, they'll prescribe that. Just like we go to the doctor and they'll prescribe oh, us physio. a pill. Yeah, right. They'll prescribe certain yoga posture. Or this is how it was done at some stage. Right. So again, we've taken what... Well, that makes sense. Yeah, He right? was a doctor. So he was, you know, your back's tight, your hamstrings are tight. This is my prescription. Mm. Do this. 
Yeah. Albeit sort of unconventional from my point of view, but conventional all the same to him. Sounds like they were probably some kind of Ayurvedic tradition style. I remember going to an Ayurvedic doctor, which I guess for anyone listening who isn't quite sure what Ayurveda is... There's no one listening. (laughs) To us, you and I, later on. Um, It's kind of like... Yogis might call it the sister science to yoga, but Ayurvedic doctors wouldn't. They just say it's science of life. And um, I remember going to this Ayurvedic doctor in Bondi Junction and you get treatments like the one that you were talking about, except I was pretty well covered down there. And, <laughs> and with my, after my session with the doctor, he, we went through my lifestyle and my diet and, and I was having trouble sleeping at the time. And he goes, he literally wrote down a prescription. And I was like, oh, he's gonna prescribe me some pills or some herbs. Mm. And he did prescribe me some herbs, but he also prescribed something else. And he gave it to me, and, he, and, it's, and it read, uh, each night when you get home, write down all of the things today that you did that were good, that gave back, that in some way fulfilled you, and then write some of your work on. It's like, what did you do that maybe you would do differently tomorrow? And I was like, imagine if every doctor did this, like, mm. prescribed... A mindfulness technique. Can you remember how you felt at that point? Were you like, this guy's a joker? No, I was so, I was so, um, I was surprised Mm. and I was inspired. Yeah, that's good. I was really inspired that there are people out there prescribing things other than just pills. Now, I know that pills are useful and they're incredible and they've saved so many people's lives. Not at all suggesting we don't take pills, but maybe there's an alternative. Mm. Maybe. Oh, for sure. Mm. Yeah. The power of thought, the power of food. Like, I think that's certainly uh, an area that is growing, but it it needs to get spread quicker and faster. The notion of, you know, food being medicinal, just as food can be harmful, it can be medicinal and therapeutic, Mm. which is kind of the area that I'm in, which is kind of exciting. Um. Talk to me about guts. See, there's... Did you notice the organ? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really into my gut healing at the moment. Yeah. Scott Gooding. Talk to me about um, Talk to me about this. As a consequence of symptoms that you're experiencing? Yeah, when we just... opened the business. So first couple of years, first year really, did a number on my health. This is again why that whole space between mindfulness program came up. It was all born out of that mess. And super stressed, not sleeping, not nourishing properly, not taking my medicine, which is yoga. And um, I got really sore stomach all the time. Yeah. I had a really sore stomach all the time, and that was really affecting me, everything. And then I did this gut healing protocol diet recently, and I don't think I've ever felt so good, mm. ever. Mm. Well, yeah, it's, you know, we've been studying the gut flora or microbiome for decades but there's only sort of only in the last sort of five or six we're really starting to understand the significance of the gut flora and so you know it's where most of our serotonin is made and produced it's where most of our immunity is um, created and manufactured so it has this effect not just on our physicality but on our mental state so there's um, a direct nerve from our gut to our brain 
So what we eat and what, more importantly what we ingest can have a direct influence on mood, anxiety. Mm. You know, there's no... We're now learning that, you know, Alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes because... Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the fastest growing diseases in the Western world because just like any other cell in our body, the cells of our neurons become resistant to insulin and so over time they die because they're not being fed the right type of fuel Um, so we need to do our utmost to kind of foster a healthy gut and what does that look like well on one side of the seesaw you need to minimize as best you can the harmful um, foods and toxins and uh, lifestyle so alcohol and drugs and stress stress is a massive thing mm. and it's not easy for to cure no it all comes down to inflammation yeah so whatever whatever food trend you want to attach to it whatever lifestyle trend you want to attach to it it needs to be the when you drill down when you funnel down it needs to be a diet and a lifestyle that promotes a low inflammatory mm. environment in our system and so you need to watch all those, watch out for all those markers that I talk about, like mm. alcohol, drugs, Coffee. stress, certain food groups. Um, but on the flip side, um, promote foods that foster good gut health, drinks that foster good gut health, um, de-stressing. So there needs to be a give and a take. So yeah. you need to upregulate the good stuff and downregulate the the shitty stuff but it's it's people just generally don't have that understanding of mm. the importance of the gut and how that affects our physicality our immunity but also our happiness and our state of mind um, it's a very very interesting area and one that's kind of emerging and slowly but surely the information's going to get out there and you can see it. You can see it where we are. Like, there's all these gut health books, mm. and every nearly every health food shop is doing kefir and yeah. kombucha. Kombucha's like in everywhere mm. now, and there's a reason why that's on the landscape because it has therapeutic properties for our gut. Um, and because so many people, and, they, and, and they're not going out of business because so many people need it because they have so many issues with yeah. their gut. And maybe they don't even know why they're taking it. Yeah. But the very fact that they're taking it is a good thing. Yeah kombucha wasn't a thing like Mm. I mean it's been a thing for hundreds of years but it wasn't a thing like two years ago so I've got a question for you I'm going to interview you here not that this is an interview it's an awkward conversation but um. (laughs) the whole thing's an awkward (laughs) conversation but uh, okay Mm. if if there's one little piece of advice that you could leave people with are you wrapping this up? Yeah, I'm wrapping you up. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, it's my job. So we get so many, so much information, so many messages. Um, I think women in particular, where we read a lot of magazines mm. that have a lot of mixed messages, I guess men to, to a certain degree, or to a large degree. Um, but there's so many messages, and everybody is different. Mm. Everybody is different, so it's not just a one-size-fits-all. So you can't, I know you can't give advice to everybody, 
But what is your what is the what is that advice that you do give to everyone? <laughs> <laughs> what is it that I do? Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, absolutely right. So I always think about the poor woman or guy who wants to turn his or her life around for whatever reason. It could be a health scare, um, but for whatever reason, she wants to get healthy. Let's say she's. Um, lives in Dubbo she's got a family of two kids she stay at home and all of a sudden she wants to had enough she wants to be fit and healthy and and so she googles you know best diet best workout routine and it would be a, a minefield it'd be incredibly confusing confronting and there's all these trends there's paleo there's keto there's primal there's vegan it would be you wouldn't know which way to turn for the best so to strip it back, to keep it very, very simple, your focus needs to be A, real food, mm. I think, first and foremost. Unprocessed, clean. Unprocessed, clean. And we all kind of know you don't have to dissect that too much. You know instinctively whether it's a real food or not. You know you know whether it's been grown or picked or foraged mm. or mm. hunted, whatever, or caught you know that a packet of Cheerios didn't grow on a tree. So I think they didn't, Kate. (laughs) For listeners, Kate looked extremely puzzled then, but we can talk about this offline. But that that needs to be the first port of call, is that once you embrace real food, I think you're you're 75, 80% of the way there. And then, then you can start tweaking for your body type and for your genome if you like and we're all different we all have different gut flora so we all crave different foods and but then you start tweaking and doing your research and looking for that low inflammatory environment that works for you that works for you so would you say that it comes down to also listening to your body yeah i talk about this all the time so i talk about being your own case study so we're only here for a very very short period of time and so you might be here for 75, 80 years. So for me, I want to be as healthy as I can be right up until, ideally, I want to get hit by a bus when I'm mm-hmm. 80. Way to go. Yeah. I don't want the last 20 years of my life to be in optimal health, uh, suboptimal health and disease. Like, that doesn't interest yeah. me at all. So for me to achieve that, I'm going to use myself as a case study. So I'm gonna try things, I'm gonna biohack, some things work, some things don't, some things I embrace wholeheartedly, Sometimes some things I'll drop as quick as I pick up, but it's all about absorbing as much information as we can, and podcasts, podcasts are a great source of mm-hmm. really current information. Um, so I suggest people arm themselves with as many resources as they can, books, podcasts. Kate Kendall has a good podcast called The Space Between, look it up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to repeat that a bit slower? Kate Kendall. The space between on iTunes. Yes, Scotty, what were you saying? Oh, it's not important right now. Um, but yeah, that because we, we kind of lost, we have lost touch. And when I say we, I'm talking about sort of the Western world. Mm. We've kind of lost touch with what I call our natural state. And our natural state is to be lean and strong and adept and motivated. But because we live in this 
polluted, stressful um, landscape and our nutrition has sort of been suboptimal for so many years, we've kind of, I believe, we, most of us walk around with this cloud above our head. We haven't tapped into our fullest potential, our greatest potential, and that is our natural state. Mm. So by cleaning up your diet, looking for low inflammatory foods, moderating stresses, uh, biohacking, a little bit of training here and there, you can punch through that cloud that's sort of inhibiting you to be your, your greatest that you'll ever be. And some people, like I feel that mo- at times I'm, I've kind of, I'm nearly there. I'm striving for it all the time, but there are pockets now, and these pockets are extending longer and longer, mm-hmm. where I feel fucking fantastic, and this is really important, I'm happy. Like, you guys, and when I say you guys, I'm talking about you beautiful yogi people, and you talk about, and I'm not um, taking the piss here, but you talk about gratitude and love, and mm. that to me was just like this, I thought it was very woo-woo and unattainable, but in recent months, as a consequence of my lifestyle, food, supplements, I believe I've had this elevated state where I I can be walking down the street and I want to call people that I know mm. and tell them that I love them and tell them that I feel great and like it's visceral, it's, it's almost overwhelming at times. Like I've walked, yeah, it's, it's been monumental over the last few months and, I, and it kind of feeds my soul to continue to do the things that I do because I want other people. I want that, that mother from Dubbo to experience what it's like to reach or, you know, be on the path even mm. towards your, your greatest potential. And I think that the more that you're in that state of health and looking after yourself and listening to the body and eating the foods that it's telling you to eat and not eating the ones that it's not telling you to eat, is that in the Buddhist tradition they call that pamoja, that experience that you just had, of said, said that you had of walking down the street and just feeling like joy and it comes out of mm. nowhere mm. right that's called pomoja. pomoja and that's ideally that kind of state that happens when we're feeling like genuinely happy and then the other kind of happiness that they call it's called sukha and it's sweetness it's also we call that sweetness in, in yoga there's the word for that in yoga as well sukha same thing and that's that happiness that we feel when we do something for someone else or when we gain something that we really like or when we eat an apple and it tastes really crisp and beautiful and we're just mm. like oh that's tastes really delicious and there's that kind of joy that just comes from the simple things and I think that <clears throat> that um sorry no the sukkah is the sukkah is your your feeling of just it just comes randomly out of nowhere right. I think that that's that's that kind of sweetness that that comes from just vitality and health and consciously making those really good decisions mm. sukkah Sukkah, I like that. Being the sweetness. But the, the, I guess for the first time that I've recognised it anyway, it may have happened in the past, but not that I can think of. But for the first time, I've discovered happiness and elation, not just I'm having a good day, but like elation and happiness that's not attached to catching up with a friend or a good night out or like there's no other external factors i'm on my own yeah um i'm walking down the street 
and I feel fucking fantastic. Suka. Suka. It's good. I like it. You're looking very good, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> but it, yeah, I mean, I, I was sharing this he with a friend. Like, looking very. Suka. Toit. <laughs> I should put my clothes back on. Um, well, I think that's a nice place to end. Yeah. yeah. Keep it sweet. Keep it sucker. Mm. All right. Well, thank you, Kate Kendall. Thank you, Scott Gooding. All the best, and I'll speak to you soon. Namaste. Namaste.